You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. And welcome into another BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. I think I've said your name right every time so far, but you'll have you to have. check me on that. All right, good. Not you messing have. that one up. I, I went on the uh, the radio in Edmonton this morning, and just before we went on air, the guy popped in. He said, hey, can I get a quick pronunciation for your name for uh, for my producer? And this is like super normal, right? It happens almost every time. And I, yeah, sure, it's it's Hayfully. He goes and introduces me and mispronounces it. Like, <laughs> Ten seconds had to have passed between those two times. And I was like, okay, well. It it doesn't seem like it should be that hard. It's not like a pool party situation here, which I oh, still yeah. can't say. So. Yeah, where, where you just call him something. I, the way I always tell people is you pronounce it like you're having a conversation with a flea. You just say, hey, flea. There you go. Easy enough. Really, really simple. (laughs) All right. Well, we're not going to be talking about players' name pronunciations today, but we are going to be talking about their contract situations. We're going to start off with some Avs ones, some current, some not so current. Everything under Joe Sackick's tenure, we're going to look at some of the best, some of the worst, and some of the ones in between. 
but I have a feeling that a few of these contracts might want you to drink a bit. So it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the famous, the world famous Avalanche, which is in their class, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky. I actually got to try it the other day, and it is amazing. And I'm it's sure you so guys good. are gonna love it too. I know it's it's really really good. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling it this a light hearted Kolsch ale but for those of you who have no idea what that means this is that light delicious summer beer that you've been looking for so look for the strawberry sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar here on bsndenver.com it was just launched a little bit ago and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned where we will be drinking these Breck beers So please RSVP to all of them and come have a good time. All right. So let's jump in here. I want to start somewhere in the middle. This is someone still on the team, someone that's going to be a relevant conversation and really already has been a little bit. And that is Eric Johnson Mm -hmm. and his contract, which when it was signed was a seven year deal at $6 million AAV. There's still four years left on this deal. That NMC tied to it has been a big talking point, especially with the upcoming expansion draft. Yeah, you know, when it was signed, it felt like the money was was right, um, but the length was maybe just a little on the high end. Yeah. But this was also a guy that they had invested a lot in bringing in who badly wanted to be in Colorado and was a guy they viewed as part of their leadership core and really like a central central figure to what they thought they were building here and you know certainly they did not know that they were going to turn around and trade for Sam Gerrard yeah and draft Kale McCarr and Bo Byram in an 18 month period you know right they didn't completely reshape their defense yeah, I guess I guess a two-year period between McCarr and, and Byram but they didn't know that they were going to do that otherwise maybe they wouldn't have given him seven years but you know at the time you only you can only work with the information you have at the time and you know it it felt maybe a little a little much but Colorado hadn't had a legit defenseman in a really long time and I think it was it was just their way of saying this guy's been good for us he wants to be here and we really value that and we want him here and so here he will be yeah, and before this year, this past year, I don't think anyone had questioned that deal really at all. And and then we start to see maybe some cracks in EJ's armor a little bit this year, and, and all of a sudden it's kind of come to the forefront as a guy where is there going to be room for him? Is Are you comfortable having a third-pairing defenseman getting paid $6 million? Well, and and certainly in a relevant conversation, but I don't think even with the excitement of the young guys that were there yet. No, I I agree with you. We're also not far off. Yeah, somewhere in between there. And and you're looking at that length, right? The next two years, you're not really worried about. But those last two years of it, Mm -hmm. boy, I don't know. And that's where the... 
expansion conversation comes in. Another one that will affect the Avs and expansion, whether it's protecting the player or whatever, is the newly minted Jonas Donskoy contract. Sackick signed it for four years, $3.9 million. Nothing fancy, no NMC or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that's another piece that today I'm assuming the Avs will protect it. Um, that'll be an interesting conversation. Um, I think he might be right on. I think he's a bubble guy at best right now, you know, because if, if Jost and Burakovsky become who they think they will, yeah, uh, then you protect seven forwards and your top six is kind of decided for you already. Uh, and then Donskoy is on the outside of that top six right next to Comfer and and some of these other guys that'll be kind of looking on in uh, where you're not really sure what the plan is there. Certainly all valid points. And, and you brought this up while we were researching for this show. Donskoy, if you don't count Soderberg, who technically didn't make it to free agency, mm-hmm. Donskoy is the longest contract Joe Sackick has given in free agency. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of wonder if, if they see a little bit more value there with those extra years and are planning on protecting him. Yeah, it, uh, it's a fascinating um, what they're, what they're going to do with him, what the, what the plan is. Because uh, with Donskoy, like, where does he fit in with the roster? You know, yeah. we don't we don't know any of these answers, and they're all really important to the conversation when we're when we're breaking it all down and trying to make sense of the roster and and you know who who how he fits in and what he produces uh, will ultimately determine just how solid of a deal this is. I know that there were people that didn't like how long it was. They didn't like how high the money was. Uh, I'm a big fan of the player, so neither bothered me. But if he has a good two years here in Colorado, that that he could very, very easily end up in Seattle. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility there for sure. And, and that's a perfectly valid option. Maybe those two years, the whole point is for it to be expansion draft bait. They tend... Maybe. If it follows the Vegas system, they shied away from the the guys with one-year contracts a lot. So, we'll see. Yeah, how they uh, how Seattle does. I mean, that's it's going to be something that we get into regularly for the next two seasons right. until mercifully right. that expansion draft <laughs> takes place. Uh, but it's it will be something that you have to keep in the forefront of all team building conversations, all. All contracts, contracts all everything. Yep. Yeah, Donskoy yep. certainly, he is very much a bubble guy in that conversation where, hey, if he jumps up to 45 points for the next couple of years, you're probably doing everything you can to protect him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that kind of covers two guys that are on the team currently. Let's talk about a couple of guys that are no longer on the team. This one still is in the last year of his contract, was on the team until about a month ago. Carl Soderberg, for the first couple years of that deal, it was very up in the air on how good, how bad was it really going to be. And at least as far as the abs concerned, besides the uh, year that will not be spoken, it was pretty darn good. It was a wild ride, wasn't it? 
<laughs> because uh, he starts off year one in Colorado, career year, 51 points, and you're like, oh, yeah. All those people talking all that smack about what a bad deal this was. <laughs> and then he goes out and has a 14-point season, and you're like, oh, my God. And a, a solid rebound. Uh, yep. You know, the 37 points uh, followed by another another career year where he scored 23 goals in his last year here with the Avs. Uh, that's all good and well. Uh, you would have liked to have seen more four points in 18 playoff games. Was definitely weak, yeah. For a guy that was such an integral part of their secondary scoring, uh, for him to completely no-show in the postseason both times, uh, disappointing, for sure. Yeah, the... I do think that probably had a, a decent amount to do with it because he was their most consistent scorer as far as beyond the top line in the age too, with having one year left to get rid of him. But, you know, a couple of years before we were thinking, man, the last two years on that deal are going to be terrible. And they weren't. And they were not. I mean, and it was a, it was a big conversation as we were looking at, uh, the abs going into free agency this year. You know, the Soderbergh deal stood out as a a long-term contract with the guy entering his 30s that was ultimately overall a successful deal. Because yeah. it was like, oh, you can't. Anybody that's turned age 30 is a total wild card. You have no idea what happens. And it's like, well, a lot of guys still age pretty gracefully on into their 30s. It's 35 when you really start to be concerned. Um. But but Soderbergh ultimately ended up being a solid overall everything for them. Uh, it's honestly, it's too bad they didn't make more use of how successful that contract ultimately ended up being. Right. If they had taken more advantage of the first two years, he could have been a, an integral part to something there. But it's just not how it works out sometimes. <laughs> and let's talk about a couple more guys like that. Start with Francois Beauchemin here. This was a deal that, in hindsight, I've gone back and forth on it. At when it first happened, I really did not like this deal at all, any yeah. of it. And yeah. I, I don't right think after it's Brad Stewart. Yeah, and we can talk about him too. The Brad Stewart deal, I think, is pretty irredeemable. Yeah. But this one is not good but I don't think it's quite as bad as I I've propped it up to be in my mind. <laughs> the, the Boschman deal ended so poorly. It did. Um, because it was a young team. It was a fractured locker room and I will never get the mental image of standing there at practice as they were all circled up in the center of the ice. And he was just slamming a stick on the ice and screaming at them to give a damn. Yep have some pride and that was certainly not how he wanted to wind up his career. Uh, and, and the abs absolutely didn't get what they wanted out of him as, as a, you know, the, the veteran leader, the, the, you know, the voice in the locker room that they were looking for. They just didn't, they did not, they did not get what they wanted out of that deal and neither did he. Um, but, you know, it, his first 50 games or so as an Av were super impressive. And then yeah. it was all downhill from there. Yeah, it, it not only did it go downhill quick, but the real, the absolute killer to that deal was the NMC. 
And it, it forced their hand to buy him out, basically. Yeah, and it was, you know, it, it was a smart move. Um, one of the things, one of the few things that you can say about this regime, I think, this front office regime, is that they haven't been too proud to cut bait with mistakes. Yep. Uh, when they've when they've made them and they've been able to find ways out of them, they've taken it. And they it's a it's an ownership uh, credit to the ownership group as well because they have said we'll pay money for guys who are no longer going to be here. And there are some ownership groups that won't okay that. Uh, so it's you know it's. Uh, it's weird to give them any kind of credit on what was ultimately a a blown deal, but they knew it was bad. They got out of it and they walked away before the uh, Vegas expansion draft before they had to do something silly, like keep him around. Yeah. They didn't fall into the sunk cost fallacy, which was nice to see. Which I mean, so so many teams do that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think they learned a lot, or Sackick at least, learned a lot from that deal as well. We haven't seen him give out NMCs so freely anymore. Mm-hmm. He's been very tentative, especially in this past off season, to give out a lot of term, like we said with Donskoy in his four years being the longest he's given out. He's moved away from those 35-plus type players. Yeah. So sometimes you got to learn the hard way, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, they they haven't gone out, and you know when they've gone in, into free agency and dipped the toe, uh, they've they've gotten some veteran guys. But it's been you know Blake Como, Matt Calvert, Ian Cole, uh, all guys who are still like in the middle of their careers and not at the end of them, right. where there's still an opportunity for those guys to be productive uh, NHL players at the end of those contracts. Yeah, it, I agree with you there. I. Got anything to say on the Brad Stewart contract other than it was just not good? It was just a, everything about it was a disaster. Yeah. Just a, a total mess, and, and it was unfortunate. Um, it's It sucks when deals, you know, go... That way. That poorly. Um, but it is what it is. It happened, and, you know, everybody, again, the Avs moved on, and... Cup bait, and he probably moved back to California and said, peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> probably. He did get to a thousand games. Yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had a long, like a long career. As yep. a guy who was drafted in the top five, like he, was, he had a pretty good career. It just did not, not wind us. up. Yeah, it did not wind up well in, in, in an ads uniform. It was nasty. Okay, well, we can't finish the segment about Sackick signings without talking about the Nathan McKinnon deal. I mean, it's golden. It's the, it's literally, it's their golden ticket to Stanley cup contention right now because they have, they have an MVP caliber player on a, you know, middle six, you know, maybe it maybe like a second line player caliber contract. Yeah, it, it's a really, really absurd, and we'll talk about this more probably in the third segment, but this was a deal that was fair when it was signed. Yeah. And turned into just a total gem. Yeah, I mean, it, it turned nonsensical immediately, really, yeah. because, 
you know, he signs it in the summer of uh, 2016. And then obviously they, they had that God awful year where uh, he goes out and he puts up 53 points, which was kind of right in line with where he had been in his career to that point. Yep. And you're like, okay, you know, he has a 16 goal season and you're thinking, all right, well, we, we certainly had much higher hopes for him than this as a, as a first overall player. But ultimately if he just ends up a 50 point guy, at least he's not massively overpaid or anything. And then he goes out and he drops 97 and then 99 points on the NHL <laughs> and looks like a truly dominant force, uh, puts up 19 points in 18 playoff games and looks like the face of a future Stanley cup contender. I mean, that's, it happened. It all happened very, very quickly. And now he's got four years left at $6.3 million uh, to, to kind of sit. And when we talk about, you know, the RFAs uh, that are, that are out there right now and, and maybe looking at bridge deals. One of the reasons that guys would be looking at a bridge deal is because of the Nathan McKinnon contract and the way that the market changed so drastically after and, and how he grew as a player after he signed that contract players are, you know, now they're, they're going to be a little more cautious committing seven years to a team. If they think there's a chance that, if they think there's a whole other level for their talent to get to. Yeah. You're seeing a lot more players bet on themselves in that, that sense, I would say. And, and the fact that the abs were able to wrap up McKinnon without a bridge deal and things like that, it's just absolutely massive. This is how you, you create a cup window for yourself with a contract like this. Yeah, well, absolutely. I fit. I, I picture, uh, uh, Joe Sackick like getting up in his office every day and he's got the McKinnon contract framed <laughs> and he just comes sauntering into the room singing. I've got a golden ticket to himself every <laughs> single day. Like that's just how my brain sees it going uh, because that contract is such a vital part of their cup contention for the next four years. <laughs> On the way out from his house, he kisses his wife, pets the dog, and then looks at the McKinnon contract for a second, and then opens the door and leaves. He has he has like a built-in thing that pats himself on the back after standing at the door <laughs> for a few seconds, knowing he's looking at that contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so... it's an amazing deal, and you know the the repercussions is that Miko Rantanen doesn't want to do the same thing. No, he definitely not. He wants to earn his money and he definitely has a little bit uh more of a leg to stand on based on his elc performance so uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> i think i think 320 goal seasons and back-to-back 80 point years trumps the 63 38 and 52 points that mckinnon scored in his in his elc so uh definitely a little better of a leg to stand on yeah yeah but but i think there's a lot of positive signs here for joe sackick looking through these deals Obviously, the the truly bad ones like Brad Stewart do stand out, but mm-hmm. as you're moving through them, you're starting to realize a lot of these are actually decent to good, and then you have the occasional great ones like McKinnon. Yeah, and then you look at the dates on them, and if you sort by date, you see the way that he has really improved over the over, in this area, yeah. where you're feeling much, much more comfortable with him having a, a, a big checkbook to go and spend that cash. Exactly. You know, this summer he could have gone absolutely ham. And even with Artemi Panarin, he kept long-term in mind and said, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to give you the seven year deal. 
you know, we're going to we're going to have a more measured approach to this, even if it means we don't get the player. We're we're not going to give up our future financial flexibility uh, for this guy right now. You know, we're going to we're going to try and do this thing the right way. And they're, they've committed to that. And we saw that they could have gone and spent all the money in the world. And instead, they went into free agency. They gave Pavel Francouz a one-year deal, Colin Wilson a one-year deal, Belmar a two-year deal, Donskoy got two, got four. But then Zadorov and and Burakovsky all, you know, each get one-year deals. Like these are these are dudes that could have gotten longer deals, and they just they just didn't do it. Absolutely, it's you can see they're still they're what like a million bucks over the cap floor right now. Yeah, they just crossed that threshold the other right. day with the right. with Burkowski. Yeah, and so they still have a ton of money to work with, and I can guarantee whatever they end up doing with that money, it will be game changing. Nice. <laughs> so, jumping into that, it's time to tell you about some game changing coffee. <laughs> StravaCraft yeah. is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out if you have not already. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, it's done it. It's CBD. It is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we would we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and get 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That's going to do it for segment one. We're going to come back in segment two and talk about some of the best and worst contracts around the league in comparison to what Sackick has done so far, and we'll see you there. All right, second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast. We are back. AJ, we just got finished talking about McKinnon on the other side of this. And now we're going to talk about someone who is always going to be intertwined with him. The second overall pick that year to Florida in Alex Barkov, who also just happens to be on an incredible deal. It was $5.9 million over six years, still has three years left on it, and... I'm sure everyone in the the Florida front office is patting themselves on the back as well for that one. Yeah, I maybe was that a computer boy contract or was that uh, <laughs> Dale Talon? I, the timing of all that is tough to know exactly uh, who did what and when, uh, because uh, there's so much animosity between Talon and the computer boys that if they were the one that got Barkov on that deal, then props to them, but. If it's Talon, then he can just feel good about himself all he wants. But that's an amazing deal. Uh, Barkov, and, you know, Barkov's been a really good player. Uh, but the last two years, kind of like McKinnon, it went to a different level. Um, he had a point-per-game yep. season in 17-18 <laughs> and then jumped it all the way up to 96 points last year uh, to put him yeah. on, really honestly, on McKinnon's level. And as the as a traditionally the better defensive player, um that's yeah you know i don't think there's much argument that he's better on the defensive end than mckinnon right now yeah um if you're asking one of those guys to be a stopper it's not going to be mac right exactly if you have the choice and yeah and he is making 400k less than mac but Mm -hmm. one less year kind of a big deal Uh, yeah 
Um, but I mean, that's one, that's a year that they're going to have to pay an extra, you know, he's going to get 12 million that the Avs are going to be paying half of that for, for McKinnon, uh, in that one year that they share that, that they have that lap, that difference. Yeah. I, I, I really think McKinnon and Barkov too might be in the conversation for the best contracts in the entire NHL. Uh, absolutely they are. Um, I mean, when you have when you have elite centers that are making that kind of money, uh, you know, McDavid is amazing. And no, I don't think there's a better player in the league than Connor McDavid, to be honest. Agreed. But, but at $12.5 million, he's also paid that way. And you know he's his hundred and sixteen points for twelve and a half million is not worth the as much to Edmonton as as the ninety nine points, but at six point three million uh, that Colorado is getting out of that deal. Right, exactly the the cost per point or however you want to break it down. Yeah, the cost efficiency of it is insanely uh, in Colorado's favor, uh, as are as are a number of deals. You know that yeah. The, that summer where a whole bunch of those deals got signed, you know, the McKinnon deal, um, Johnny Gaudreau was another one. Yeah, that, that, and that was mm. kind of right before the salary cap just started exploding, too. Yeah, so it, only, again, only three years left on that one. Right, right. It's The the amount of time left is kind of a big factor here, and, and through this, we did kind of throw that out. Obviously, we've talked before about Kevin LeBanc's deal was just just silly, stupid, but it's only a one year deal. So, yeah, which is great. It'll help them out a bunch this year alone. Right. But come January first, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a multi year deal that they <laughs> exactly magically happen to roll out and have that thing <laughs> ready to go. Who knew? <laughs> well. There are some other players throwing their hat in this ring, though. One of them, McKinnon and the Avs, completely handled in the first round of the playoffs in Johnny Gaudreau. And while he maybe didn't earn his money in the playoffs there, 99-point season this year, 84-point season the year before, and he is on a $6.75 million deal. It was a six-year deal. This is another one with three years left. Yeah, and the big concern for Flames fans right now is that his first playoff run was really productive. Yeah. Uh, but the last two times they've made the postseason, uh, he's played nine games and he scored three points. Right. And he's it's... way, 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 way too important to that team uh, for him to be that lackluster in the postseason. If that's If that's really the kind of player he's going to be in the postseason, they are going nowhere. They will never win a cup with him there. No argument there. I, I, I struggle with it too because he had plenty of opportunities, and they just wouldn't go in for him against the Avs. Yeah, that the the uh, game five, especially the elimination game. Yeah, where you know he has the he has the penalty shot, and then he has the breakaway and the disallowed goal all in like the second yeah. period or whatever. Yeah, and he just couldn't buy one. <laughs> Yeah, where you're just like this. This is hard to watch, knowing that this is a special player who just right now is in the ultimate stick gripping phase. Right now, like he's he's just feeling every negative emotion you can possibly feel. 
maybe that was the av strategy all along to just get Kerfoot to go rub up against him. <laughs> Good luck with that, Toronto. I hope he's over that for you. I really do because it's hard to watch any player struggle that much. <laughs> It really is like when you when you know there are some guys where you're just like he's just not that good, yeah. Uh, so you know you're like okay, well I wasn't expecting much here. Like when Matt Nieto rolls in on on a bunch of the great A chances that he helps create, uh, but doesn't cash it in. You're like, well that's been Matt Nieto his whole career. Exactly. You, you know, you've like, come to expect it. Yeah, that's not a guy where you're like, oh, watch this guy. He's gonna score 25 goals this year because he's not a natural finisher. He doesn't have that ability. Uh, but you you can see the ability to create plenty. It's just finishing it off. And then you see a guy, it happened with a guy like Kerfoot, who, not like an elite goal scorer or anything, but certainly a guy that's that, that in his two NHL seasons has not been... Uh, uh, One to come up short and yeah, put in the fucking net. <laughs> yeah, like a 19-goal opening season, you know, and he didn't quite repeat that last year, but... A guy that could score goals, you know, that, yeah. that was not a big problem for him. And then all of a sudden he just he couldn't hit anything. It was it was hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about Gaudreau with that going forward. I think he'll figure it out in the playoffs and that contract will continue to be great. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting uh, the, that contract uh, on the team. You know, it's only four hundred thousand dollars higher than Monahan. Yeah. But Monahan has the extra year, and Monahan has thirty, you know, multiple thirty goal years, uh, and it's coming off an eighty-two point year of his own. But again, postseason, he was a total non-factor against the Avs. Well, I mean, just about everyone, but Mike Smith was a non-factor for some of those games. So it's oh my gosh, is it ever true? You know, and they've got Matthew Kachuk. It's about. They're, they're kind of in a tough spot there because Kachuk is going to ask for more money than either Gaudreau or Monaghan. Yep. Significantly more, probably. Uh, I would say at least a million dollars more than Gaudreau. I could see him. I could see Kachuk coming in, in in the mid to high sevens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an interesting one because it he has the one year, right? The other yeah. years, he's almost 50 points, but in that final year, the, the get paid year, he took care of business. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and certainly, um, at 21 years old, you know, that's right. the guy, of um, course. but then you look at their defense and, you know, Noah Hannafin signed for five years at under $5 million. That's a huge risk for them. Yeah. I, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> I don't think it'll end up being yeah. a total disaster for them, but, get to a couple of of the best defensemen here quick and then we'll jump into some of those those not so great contracts uh john klingberg with dallas has truly lived up and beyond he was signed in 2015 for 4.25 million dollars seven years there's three years left on it and i mean that deal was good from day one and now it's just great well and remember he came out of nowhere yeah uh, dropped 40 points in his rookie year and where he lost out to Ekblad in the Calder race. And it was, it was like, whoa, you know, this, well, who is this guy? And then they signed him to this lucrative deal and he's more than lived up to his share of it. And 
continues to, to, to be the contract that gives, I mean, three years remaining on this contract for them. Uh, that's, it's not quite their McKinnon deal, but it's, it's an amazing value for them. And when you consider they just gave Essa Lindell 5.8 million over six years, yeah. that Kling, that Klingberg deal is the reason they were able to do something like that because they can freely, uh, spend a little bit of that extra money when, you got a guy on such a great value deal with term remaining. Yeah, and it it looks silly now. They they took the risk on a guy who had one season with 40 points, and mm-hmm. he came in the next year and scored 58 points, and they were like, great, it's already paid for itself. <laughs> Absolutely. And he just and he's he's continued to be great for a blue line that has finally started to come around and blossom and Yeah, and, they're putting uh, it together. Yeah, with Lindell, Klingberg, and Haskin in, they have a big three that they can kind of build around, and whatever they get out of the rest of those guys, you know, they'll they'll t- they'll take they'll they'll be happy with whatever. Yeah, one other on the back end, bit of a different type of player, bit more solid, not quite as much offense. Colton Pareko for the St. Louis Blues, his was a shorter deal, only five years at five and a half million, but he's in the middle of it right now with three years remaining. And they just won a Stanley Cup, and they're returning him as one of their best young defensemen. He's one of going to likely be the key piece as, as some of their older pieces start to age out, and Petro only has one year left on his deal. So, Yeah, when Petrangelo gets that big raise that we expect he'll get before free agency next year, um, that's, you know, again, Pareko's solid contract. At, at $5.5 million, you'd probably like to see it just a little bit more offense, but... Uh, he's given it in previous years where he's been a, a mid 30 point guy and he plays such solid defense for them uh, yeah. that even if, even if he is like a, a, what he did last year, he scored 28 points. We gave you 10 goals. You'll take that all day for sure. It, especially when he's six foot six, 230 pounds <laughs> and teams go, yeah. Oh God, we have to play against him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's he's a long stick guy, and he yeah uh, he's one of my favorite defenders in the league. Honestly, he's he's yeah. so good. The former pride of the yep. AJHL. It's I. <laughs> there you go. I I would not mind having him on the Avs. I'll put it that way. But I guess our decor is pretty well covered for the future. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you could have a if you could have a Pareko, Makar, Gerard, and Byram uh, top four, you're looking at Zadorov and Timmins like, sorry guys, like, <laughs> bye. We have an all star team, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, I think that covers some of the better to best contracts in the league. So now let's let's outside flip it of on McKinnon, which one yeah. of those do you like the most? Oh man, I really, really like Barkov's contract. I yeah, under six million dollars yeah. for an elite two-way center. It's it's like, insane. It makes me want to throw some hands. Yeah, like, it's for so sure. good, man. It's so good. How is Flora screwing this up? <laughs> yeah, I. It really, it's starting to look like they're not going to be able to take advantage of of that deal, and that would be just sad. 
Yeah, I mean, they're so loaded at, at forward, and then they went out all, all in the summer and were like, oh, well, we need is Artemi Panarin. And you're like, what? And then and then they're like, oh, we're going to give this huge contract to Sergei Bobrovsky, which is like, fine. Like, that's they've had so much turmoil at that position. I don't I don't mind that so much. Uh, it's super expensive, and it could just as easily blow up in their face uh, and end up on this list in a couple of years when yeah, we're doing another summer podcast. <laughs> but... Uh, they, there's definitely also that that feeling, you know, where you're, hey, maybe that maybe that works out, but you do look at that Panthers team, and it's like, how are you guys going to screw up this bar? Uberdose on an, on an identical deal, uh, same Which money, great too, yeah, uh, but one extra year, and he's also coming off a ninety point season, so you're you really are like sitting around like, what are you guys doing down there? <laughs> yeah, they gotta they gotta figure it out and fast. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch at times, honestly. When when you're that incompetent, it's you know between the Oilers. Yeah, and the that's Panthers, where we're headed next. So, <laughs> like, how do you how do you have such elite talent and screw it up like that? Well, Exhibit A, Milan Lucic. Free agency is the answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is Lucic's contract the worst in the NHL right now. Uh, among healthy players? Yeah, sure. Let's not count LTIR. I would say either the worst or the second worst. Okay. So Who's who's close? Seabrook. Okay, that one's pretty bad, yeah. Brent Seabrook is awful now. Yeah, that's... So, and that, that is... is a... That is a contract that has... I think it's got five years left on it at almost $7 million. And he's already 34 years old. Yeah, that's bad. You're, I, you're right. I don't, I don't think Lucic is worse than that. It's, I mean, it's just long. I mean, it's got the extra year and almost the same money and almost the same level of ineffectiveness on the ice. So blah, 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 I'm good. That's it's so bad, man. Yeah. The what? So, Seabrooks, I understand. They mm-hmm. just gave a million dollar or a million year contract to a guy that's going to take him till he's forty, and you just don't do that. That seems like a pretty easy fix. And yeah. I get it; they won a bunch of cups, and that's part of it. Sure, whatever. But yeah, Lucic. How do you prevent yourself from from getting a Lucic? Because we saw the Avs did just fine signing Soderberg at age thirty, and that worked out. Lucic, no. Well, first off, you don't get a guy that's physically breaking down right before your eyes. Yeah. Uh, we saw his last year when he was the one year he played for the Kings, his last year before free agency. Uh, there were there were holes in the game, and there was major concern that physically he'd be able to hold up. He spent all those years being a tough guy in Boston, uh, and and as a power as a power forward, and he wasn't like a super high scoring guy you know he was a good 20 goal guy that could give you 55 points but this wasn't like an elite player and they paid him serious money to be a game changer for them and unfortunately he's not a strava craft coffee drinker so <laughs> he he was not that for the oilers Ooh, ooh. i guess yeah strava craft can be up there they legalized yeah. Well, maybe that's their problem. They need some Stravacraft in Edmonton. 
Um, I mean, they'll try anything else, right? Why not? (laughs) Sure. Uh, it's it's kind of a stark contrast because it certainly seems like GMs are starting to figure it out with those type of player. New Jersey signed Wayne Simmons this year, $5 million, but one year. Nobody wants to take on those type of heavy-hitting, hard-area players that you've seen the injury start to come and break down to, and they're really being cautious now. And Edmonton just wasn't with Lucic. Well, and that was that was the summer of regret for everybody involved in free agency. That was yeah. Louis Louis Erickson to Vancouver and Kyle Opozo uh, to Buffalo. All of those teams are sitting there looking at those contracts, like, oh, God, what did we do? <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, there's always a few regrettable contracts every free agency, but sometimes, some years, it seems like they're all regrettable. <laughs> Yeah, and well, and that's why when you when you know the Avs were talking a big game about free agency this year, uh, there were a lot of landmines yeah. uh, that you could definitely get yourself caught on. You know, Anders Lee, Jeff Skinner, were varying degrees of guys that you and I were very interested in, but were also hey, you got to be careful with. And they ended up being so cautious about it that they they tiptoed around our Timmy Panarin even. Yeah, uh, because they were like, oh, boy. So, you know, they they weren't comfortable going in on the, the kind of deal that Kevin Hayes ultimately got from Philly and it took them out of that running. And now, you know, look at them. They they were very measured in, in free agency and their their books remain, uh, you know, flex flexible for the long term, at least for right now, uh, until some of the big money deals start to roll in. Yeah, it it's very safe to not commit to anything crazy like that. There, I don't think there's any doubt about mm-hmm. that. We've even going back one guy that I wanted to mention who signed his contract a long, long time ago now, and there's still three years left with it. Bobby Ryan. People have kind of forgot about it because of Ottawa's just being so bad in general, but yeah. that contract continues to just be a disaster. Well, that contract uh, arguably cost them dearly. Because uh, yeah. they, they weren't going to pay Kyle Turris, so they needed to replace Turris. Uh, so that's when they had to go out and get Matt Duchesne. And, you know, they they ended up paying more than just money for the Bobby Ryan experiment. And, like, Bobby Ryan's an alright player these days, um, but... Not a $7 million player. <laughs> it's $7 million into his 30s. You're just... you're Honestly, you look at Bobby Ryan, and it's hard to believe that he was the guy taken after Sidney Crosby and was such an electric dominant goal scorer early in his career with the ducks. Yeah. I guess breaking your hand every season will do that. Maybe Seriously. <laughs> All right. Are there any other truly bad contracts you wanted to hit on before we wrap this segment up? A couple of goaltender contracts. Um, yeah. Corey, Corey Snyder in Jersey's got three years left. Uh, has not hit a nine ten save percentage in the last three years. Um, on a to a lesser extent, just because his last his body of work has been much stronger. But a sub nine hundred save percentage out of out of Martin Jones uh, last year, you could easily make an argument that he was their number one reason that they didn't win the Stanley Cup. That was that was such a a 
loaded roster top to bottom. They were so good and they were so deep everywhere you looked. And then in net, they think they've got, you know, a 29 year old goaltender right in the middle of his prime signed long-term and has, has taken them to a Stanley cup final before. And he can't even muster a 900 save percentage, not only in the regular season, but in 20 playoff games, he couldn't do it either then. Yeah, it's, and that's the thing with goalies. I think every goalie contract, you run the risk of this, where the voodoo kicks in and they just have a bad year or two or three. And well, all that's of a sudden, San Jose's hope, right? Yeah. Is that it's a bad year because there are five years left on that deal. I didn't want to put it in the same category as Schneider, where Schneider's it's been, been bad consistently for consistently bad. Yeah. He's been bad for three years in a row. And, you know, he's had tons of issues, sure, but he has not played anywhere near the guy that he was when he got there. Or yep. when, you know, who he was in Vancouver. And that there's three years remaining on that deal for a team that is desperately trying to convince Taylor Hall it's it's the real deal here. Uh, but so the Schneider deal, I think, is definitely bad. And Jones is just trying to avoid joining him in that in that category because uh, five years left at five point seven five million is the kind of contract that keeps you up at night. If you're a GM, you know, who's just had to give away players to get under the cap for sure it's that's where it hurts you is it's not necessarily the contract itself it's what you can't afford outside of it absolutely absolutely i think we'll go ahead and and close this one off there we got in the third section some i don't know if i want to call them hidden gems but players that a couple years down the line we might be saying this is the best contract in the NHL. Before we get to that, though, we got to pay a few bills here. So I need to tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's going to do it for segment two, and we will be talking about some of the youngsters on segment three. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast coming at you. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. AJ, we're going to be talking about some of the, the young stars, the contracts that could potentially be the next best ones here. And I got to tell you, I'm seeing a lot of Carolina and I'm seeing a lot of Vegas on the list of players we're about to get here. So is that something you're looking at for for future teams to watch, maybe? Yeah, those are teams that have uh, gone with like the I guess you would even say an older model of, hey, we're going to we're going to put our young guys on huge deals and we're going to keep the same group of guys together for a very long time. Uh, we, we, you look at Colorado and four years is the longest deal that, that the abs have given out, um, or that they have on their books for the next is the next four years. And it's only three players. Uh, you look at Vegas and they've got five guys on their books for at least six more years. So, you know, they haven't been shy about locking up their young talent and saying, this is our ride or die. And we're moving forward with these guys. Yeah, let's just start with Vegas there. One of the guys they locked up for the longest this offseason is Alex Tuck. Seven-year deal, four and three-quarter million dollars. 
there's some modified NTC NTC stuff at the end of it once he hits his UFA rights, mm-hmm. but nothing major there. He just put up a 52 point season, which is his career high by 15 points. So it was a big jump for him. I really like the player. I really love his size and play style, but I know you aren't as convinced about his top six ab- ability as I am. Yeah, well, you know, they they gave that deal to him before this past season. They took the leap of faith that a guy with with uh, a 37-point rookie season was going to be the real deal. And he, he did it. And he, you know, improved his game and fit right into a top six role for them. But uh, they also went out and imported an entire new line in Pacioretty, <laughs> uh uh, Stasny and the other dude, um, Mark Stone. Stone, yeah. So where Tuck fits into this picture long term is going to be interesting because he's not a center, and they still have Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault next to William Carlson. So it's it's where where exactly do you see him fitting in? But as a twenty three year old now making less than five million for the next seven seasons, you're not all that concerned about it. You basically locked up his entire prime to the age of thirty, under you get five million all of dollars. The good years, yeah. <laughs> so and he's a big body with really, really nice hands, and yes. so I see the appeal, and I see why a lot of people are fans of him. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. I, I don't think he's a very natural goal scorer. I think he's a flashy goal scorer, uh, and I don't think he's a very good puck distributor from the right wall. Uh, I think those assist numbers last year are probably going to end up anomalous, and I wouldn't be surprised if they they came back down a little bit. But I'll say this: in a year from now, he will have put up a seventy point season, and I'll be an <laughs> asshole. So, well, that's that's what makes these deals so exciting for the future for these teams. Is even if they don't put up the 70 point season you're looking at it and going oh a 45 point player at 4.75 it's fine <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's not one that's gonna greatly hold you back assuming he remains you know productive and relevant right uh, you it, do wonder given their their current predicament with the cap and all that had they maybe not signed him, uh, would they be taking the chance on Gusev instead, who might be a little bit older, but with that kind of upside that Gusev has, you you certainly can't help but wonder if, oh, wonder what could have happened there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you got to make a decision eventually, right? They obviously decided to pull the trigger on Tuck and... I don't mind that. If, if the Avs had to choose between Tuck and Gusev... Boy, I might lean toward Tuck there. It, there's certainly a, a safety element there. You know what you're getting. You know you're going to yeah. get some sort of an NHL player uh, locked up really like quite long term. And you you know you could drop Tuck next to Kadri and Landeskog and have a super sized second line <laughs> that could be real obnoxious to play against. But I I don't like Tuck's game very much. I never really have. Um, I'm. I like the value on the contract, but to me, it's you know he's a he's a right wing, uh, and and just I'm I'm very blah on the whole package. Um, I think it's it's a the, it's not hard to understand where they see the value, uh, but it's it's hard to understand kind of what they are looking to do long term with him. 
Okay, well, let's talk about someone on the nights that I know you're hype on in mm. Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore. <laughs> My man! Signed last year, this contract started, seven years at $5.2 million. In that first year of the deal, he puts up 37 points for him in 79 games as a defenseman with 12 goals. He's 23. Again, another guy they have locked up pretty much through his entire prime. Mm-hmm. And is poised to just be a beast on the back end for them. Point per game guy in the postseason for them last year. Um, but he is a guy that I was very, 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 very high on when he was in the Ducks organization. Uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be awesome for Vegas. And when you see Tyson Berry sign for eight million next summer, yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll understand why Shea Theodore at five point two million is straight. Stealing, son, for six more years of that. Uh and honestly, uh to, trying to trying to calm myself down here. Uh Shea Theodore will be a could could end up being a guy that the Avs try to use as a contract comp come uh Kael McCarr time. Boy, that would be a good comp to use. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I mean comp has a uh, comp uh you know, McCarr obviously is gonna get uh, top power play time. He's going to have every opportunity to to blow the production of Theodore out the water where, yeah. again, uh, Vegas went went in heavy on him. They went in a year uh, a year early and, and after a 29-point season said, hey, we're going we're gonna to pay you this. Um, and, you know, after one year, like Tuck, hey, he took, he took a little bit of a leap and we'll, we'll see how so... he does long term. How about instead of Makar, Sam Gerrard is a comparable there? Uh, well, the numbers certainly fit a lot better. Um, but if the Avs end up paying Sam Gerrard $5 million, uh, there there had better have been a third year that really involves some sort of a... Uh, Uptick significantly. Yeah, like a, a bigger, especially at even strength, a bigger leap. Where, you know, I'm not I'm not using... You know, because a, a 27-point season, uh, after a 20-point season, you'd like to see that into more of the 35 range. But if that if that's what happens with with Gerard this year, uh, then absolutely you're using Shea Theodore as a comp and you're saying, hey, you know, we'll, we'll give you $5 million instead of 5.2 because you're not going to be our top guy. Right. Um, you know, McCarr will be that guy. And so we want to, you know, we want to make sure that you know your place, little man, and <laughs> I think uh, I think that that's a, a great comp actually to keep an eye on down the road as uh, Theodore and and how he and how Gerard does this year as he stacks up next to him and you know they've they've already talked long term deal so it'll be interesting to see um, exactly what they're able to work out. Uh, you know, in, in terms of what Gerard does on his next contract. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that might be a decent comparable. He's never going to have the size Theodore has, but yeah, it, it, if there was a player with contract negotiations coming up in the relatively near future that the Avs are signing long term, if Gerard is the guy, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you go bridge on Ranton and you've got to start getting value somewhere out of your roster, you can't pay full price for 
you know, for the Avs, they can't pay full price for, for Rantanen. And then, you know, Landeskog uh, is up for renegotiation or for contract extension talks yep. next summer. Um, Kale McCarr's ELC in two years, you know, he's also extension eligible next summer. Um, what you want to do long-term with those guys, you're going to have to keep in mind, uh, but you do want to start getting value somewhere. And if that comes in the form of Sam Gerrard, you know, getting paid $5 million over the next seven years. Woo-hoo-hoo, baby. Yeah, right. I mean, if you take it where you can get it, and if it's Gerard, then go get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's go west for a second before we go east here. Let's have a little bit of the goalie conversation. Due to the voodoo we talked about in, in last segment, it, it's hard to really have a goalie contract that is amazing value because you just don't know what you're getting sometimes when it comes to the consistency. But we both agreed that the best one out there right now seems to be John Gibson. Yeah. In terms of uh, current age, uh, length of contract and price of contract and ability and ceiling and, you know, body of work, all the different factors that you, you take into account when you look at these deals, uh, John Gibson is is the sweet spot, really, of all the, the top factors that you're looking at. And, I mean, last year on an absolutely god-awful team, uh, had yeah. a 9-17 save percentage behind a defense that... Bleh, and team defense, they were so, so, so awful. And that's, that's after a couple 9-20-plus seasons, you know, where he's... He's a he's a stud. John Gibson is the top upper echelon elite caliber goaltender, and he's on such a good deal. And if only because he's he is signed for seven years. Although that's a really long time to bet on a goaltender to stay relevant. Eight even. Really? Is there another year on that? My yeah, God, it's the full eight. And just for comparison, he's at six point four million AAV to Bob's ten. So, <laughs> yeah, Bob and Price. Yeah, <laughs> making making that high high end money, and Gibson's locked it down. I mean, and yep. hey, when you're when you're that volatile, if if an organization comes to you and says, "Hey, we're going to give you fifty million dollars right now," ooh, boy, just say that's okay. tough to say <laughs> yeah. no to. You know, right. you just, you really going to say no to that? Like that is, yeah, I don't have the I don't have the stones to say no thanks. Worst case, you just steer on the Michael DiPietro plan. <laughs> okay. Or is that Rick? Sorry, that was, that was that Rick. Was Rick and yeah, Michael's many, the kid. Yeah, too many flashbacks. Yeah, hits <laughs> too, uh, too close to home, sir. Yeah, fair, fair. I forget that you're an Isles fan a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we can we can go out. East to the the team that made the Eastern Conference Finals this year with some of these contracts they just signed. My I think my personal favorite in this whole category is Tavo Teravainen. He starts a five year five point four million dollar deal this coming season. Last mm-hmm. year he put up seventy six points. The year before he put up sixty four, and they got him for five point four million dollars. Yeah, I mean, good for them. <laughs> um, another another player that I'm not a huge fan of, but you can't. I mean, that two years in a row, 
uh, with that kind, with that caliber of production to get him uh, to get him signed long term at five point four million is so stupid. Yeah, I, I agree. It's you're in silly silly territory there. The the big thing that sells it for me is he twenty three goals and twenty one, at fifty five assists this year. That seems a little a little crazy, but his goal scoring ability is there. Yeah, it makes me want to clap my hands at him and say, "Stop it!" Because <laughs> it's just like it's it's such a solid deal if he keeps that up. I'm just iffy that that will happen. I have confidence in the kid just because the Finnish world team is going to be so 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 stupid between <sighs> him and Barkov and Rantanen and, and Kako and <laughs> Line A and. <laughs> Pooley <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm fourth liner, maybe. <laughs> All right, the other guy in Carolina, I, I think, like, once again, the guy that you're higher on is the defenseman here in, in Brett Pesci. Yeah. He's on a four, essentially $4 million deal. Uh, it started last year. He's got five years left on it. Put up 29 points, still hasn't broken the 30-point barrier as far as offense is concerned. I think you're hoping for a little bit more there, but the kid is just solid. Yeah. Um, that that defense, really. Uh, all of those guys. Yep. You know, Pesci, Slavin, and Hamilton all signed for under $6 million and what those what those guys are able to do just okay whatever we see you and <laughs> i mean pesci as as the right-handed guy uh on the on a lockdown pairing that even last year put up a career high uh in yep. in points if he becomes more of that 30 point guy that deal is absolutely absurd <laughs> it's so good it's it's you're in Roman Yossi territory then. Yeah, like you're sitting around just like whatever. I mean, Matias at home too. Yeah, yeah. Making under $4 million and in Norris contention. Like, shut up. <laughs> Brett Pesci, I don't think we'll ever get that kind of notoriety, but is I mean, he's really, really, really good. Yeah, so I think uh, I think it's safe to say that AJ's a little bit jelly of the Carolina lineup right now. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, if if Colorado uh, can get some of their guys signed to, to sweetheart deals, that's true. You know, if you can get them a car or a Byram or a Gerard on a or in Carolina's case, all three of those guys <laughs> uh, signed for under six million dollars, then you've set yourself up to be real dangerous for a long time. That is very true. So and... try for Makar, uh, Gerard, and Byram long term to be signed for a combined like sixteen million. million or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> just ridiculous. Yeah, that's the goal. Keep it under seventeen at your absolute like tippy toppy, and then and then you'll be stealing like some of these other teams. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, perhaps one tale of warning before we get out of here. Jacob Chitron for Arizona starts a $4.6 million deal for six years this year. His career high is 20 points. He's never even hit 70 games in a season. You know, a nice two-way guy that made their team out of camp uh, immediately after the draft and just kind of hasn't gone away. Uh, But 
can't also can't stay healthy. Um, yep. which has been a major, major issue for him. Availability is a skill and he's not very good at it. Of all the skills that he has, it's probably his worst. Uh, a career high 68 games played in that rookie year of his. It just hasn't gone very, he's not overly productive on, uh, on offense. And to be honest with you, he's just an okay defender today. Uh, right. There's always the potential that he gets better and improves and all that. But right now I, I think he's very much just an okay defender. I've I've never uh I've never been his biggest fan uh, ever. Yeah, I I agree with you to some extent. I this one feels a little bit more on the riskier side than than a lot of these other guys we just talked about. But on the other hand, certainly more you, so than Brett Pesci. Yeah, right. But sometimes these are the risks you have to take, especially for a team like Arizona, who probably doesn't get the greatest interest from guys when they're trying to to Mm -hmm. recruit free agents and things like that. And if he pans out, it looks like a great deal. It's just if he's out next year, he's hurt again the year after that. And all of a sudden it stacks up really fast and you're locked into this deal and you're going, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one where, uh, especially if he can't stay healthy, man. I mean, that's yeah. You got six years left of this twenty-one-year-old who you think is going to be in your in your top four, but that's and that's also the other issue here is that they keep hedging their bets with him. Uh, you know, Jalmerson, Goligoski, and Jason Demers and Oliver Ekman Larson are all guys I'd put him put in front of him in a lineup right now. Definitely. And it cost them their top D prospect to go get Phil Kessel, but um, it's so it's not it's not like you've got Chikram going anywhere. He's just sort of going to be there, making that money for the you know over half of the next decade. So good luck. I mean, they they need him to really step up. Same thing with Dvorak. They they gave yeah. the same kind of deal to. They're banking almost entirely on those guys fulfilling uh, high-end potential uh, in order to become crazy, crazy steals. Yeah. It, you know, in a parallel universe, we'd be saying the same thing about Alex Tuck in Vegas, right? So, yeah. You got to gamble a little bit. It, you know when to pick your spots, know when to, to hold back. And, and right now, the abs have been holding back. So we'll see if they decide to pick their spots with a Gerard or something like that. Yeah, uh, it'll be where where they decide to commit will be huge in determining just how you know they shape how the far this thing goes. Decade, really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think that's a good spot to end it on. So we are going to get out of here for this one. Just a bit of talk on on some contract stuff as most of it has shaken out through the NHL now. So thank you for listening. We, of course, will be back for tomorrow and the rest of the week. We got a good number of shows planned here for you, so keep an eye out for them, and we'll catch you then. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, 
and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.